If we can't even agree on what terrorism means, how the hell are we going to stop it? Hi, this is Phil Gursky, President and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting, and you're listening to Quick Hits. <laughs> One of my favorite authors is the English writer Lewis Carroll, who of course was known for his Alice in Wonderland series, Alice Through the Looking Glass, was his other novel. An amazing book that really plays with the English language. A lot of puns, a lot of jokes, a lot of plays on words. And as somebody who was quite involved in language for a very long time, I find this book book fascinating. I may have mentioned this on the, in the past, but I did teach linguistics at uh, two universities in Canada over about a 15-year period. Even did some doctoral studies in linguistics in the early 90s before life and uh, work interfered. And I've had a, a, this passion with how language works for a very, very long time. One of the lines from Lewis Carroll's uh, books is by Humpty Dumpty. And he has a conversation with Alice. And I'm gonna, it's a very short conversation, but I, I want to quote it to make my point here. Humpty Dumpty says, when I use a word, it means just what I choose it to mean, neither more nor less. The question is, said Alice, whether you can make words mean so many different things. The question is, said Humpty Dumpty, which is to be master, that's all. It's interesting that what Humpty Dumpty is really saying is that when we use language, we are the ones who determine meaning. That is true to some extent, but the bottom line is is that language would not exist or wouldn't function if we as a language community didn't decide at some point what words mean. If words change meaning every time they exit our mouths, communication is impossible. The hearer has to have the same general idea of what a word means as does the user, the speaker. And if that relationship isn't there, then it's complete chaos. Why am I talking about this today? Well, it's December the 29th. It's a few days after a uh, RV bomb went off in downtown Nashville, injuring three people and um, greatly damaging an office of the AT&T, one of the United States' premier telecommunications providers. As of today, there's still no motive on why the explosion took place. It definitely was deliberate because there was a mechanical voice coming from the RV in the minutes prior to the explosion, very early on morning Christmas Day, in a thankfully deserted downtown Nashville, in which there was a countdown, a 15-minute countdown, interspersed by music including, of all things, the, the classic 60 hits Downtown by Petula Clark. I'm old enough to remember that song, actually. The police, the FBI, and their counterparts, their partners, have determined that the perpetrator uh, of the bomb is a man in his 60s. They have a name, and that he died in the RV. What they don't know so far is why he did this. What was the motive? What was the point? What was he trying to say? The fact that there was a warning to evacuate a full 15 minutes before the detonation suggests at least to me that this individual didn't want to hurt anybody. But yet, still, the investigation is ongoing. What does that have to do with language? If you go on Twitter and in various news sources like the New York Times, this incident is being referred to as a suicide bombing. A suicide bombing. Technically, uh, it looks to be true. The man uh, in the RV, this man in his 60s, uh, clearly committed suicide, and that suicide uh, took the form of a bombing, 
So technically speaking, this is an accurate phrase. And yet, when I read that, something bugs me. Because I think in 2020, almost 2021 now, when we see the phrase suicide bombing, we often associate it with a terrorism attack, an act of terrorism. And yet there's nothing to date to suggest that this was actually the case. This was not an act of terrorism. Now, the investigation, as I noted, is still ongoing. And we may find out more information as to why this individual did this. But as of now, most people, including myself, are leaning somewhat against the notion of calling this a terrorist attack. So should we be using the term suicide bombing then? I don't know. Again, if you look at the terms suicide and bombing and you juxtapose them, both elements are there. And yet the phrase suicide bombing means something very, very different in the English language in 2020. When we think suicide bombings, we think Islamic State, we think Al-Qaeda, we think Boko Haram in Nigeria, we think Al-Shabaab in Somalia, various other Islamist extremist groups. We also think back to the 1980s and 1990s with the Liberation Tigers of Tamil Elam, or the LTTE in Sri Lanka, which sent women and men to their deaths in terrorist attacks. They committed suicide by, by exploding themselves, including ki- killing uh, you know, an, Indian, uh, an Indian president. I want to move on to three other things that have been bothering me lately when it comes to the juxtaposition of language and terrorism. You've heard me talk an awful lot about the situation in Xinjiang. I just put out a very short, uh, another Quick Kids podcast on the fact that the world's Muslims don't seem to give a rat's ass of what China's doing to Uyghur Muslims, incarcerating up to a million of them, uh, destroying mosques forcing women to uh, abandon the veil, making men shave their beards. China, of course, justifies all this by saying it's fighting terrorism. And interestingly, though, the way that the Chinese phrase this is they use the term the three evils. What they're doing in Xinjiang province is to combat what they call the three evils, which are defined as terrorism, separatism, or some call it splitism, and religious extremism. Interesting that, right? Referring to terrorism as an evil, I have no problem with that. But separatism? If if the people of Xinjiang want to go their own way, is that an evil? Well, I guess it is to the Communist Party of the People's Republic of China. What about religious extremism? Again, if it's tied to violent extremism, it's terrorism. I wrote a whole book, When Religions Kill, about how religion is used to justify terrorism. But this language strikes me as an attempt by the Chinese government to paint all Uyghurs as terrorists. And therefore, that justifies and demands the crackdown they've had. Don't get me wrong, there certainly have been terrorist attacks carried out in Xinjiang and other parts of the PRC by Uyghur terrorists. Some are associated with what's called the ETIM, the East Turkestan Islamic Movement, and the TTP, which is the Turkestan Party. So yes, there is terrorism, but the vast majority of the inhabitants of Xinjiang, who are Uyghur Muslims, the Han in-migration notwithstanding, are not terrorists. And yet the Chinese refer to them as the three evils. The second one actually occurred just this morning, and I was reading on the CBC website, where a a Saudi activist, Lujan Al-Hathul, she is a Saudi woman who has been pushing for rights to drive, 
Well, she was sentenced uh, on Monday, which is today, the 29th of December, to six years in prison under a vague and broadly worded law aimed at combating terrorism. She was found guilty by the kingdom's anti-terrorism court on charges of agitating for change, pursuing a foreign agenda, using the internet to harm public order, and to cooperate with individuals and entities that have committed crimes under anti-terrorism law. This woman must be a real a real actor, a real problem, a real force to be reckoned with in Saudi Arabia, right? She's been convicted as a terrorist. Yeah, she was trying to drive a car. And yet she was treated under anti-terrorism law. What does it tell you about Saudi Arabia? A lot of people have been jumping on the Saudi bandwagon for a great many years, about better more more than a half century, you know, since the, the days when Saudi oil was really important to our economies and essentially turning a blind eye to what Saudi Arabia was doing in terms of spreading hateful and tolerant Wahhabi Islam around the planet. And everyone thinks MBS, uh, Mohammed bin Salman, also known as Mr. Bonesaw, for his uh, ordering of the killing and dismemberment of a journalist in Turkey a couple of years ago, that he's changing Saudi Arabia. Is he? Is he really? How is convicting a woman of terrorism charges for wanting to drive a car and get more rights for women in the kingdom an act of terrorism. You tell me that. This is just language being used by the Saudis to justify what they're going to do anyway. This has nothing to do with terrorism. The last one I want to refer to was a, a curious article I came across in the Nigerian media, which talks about a situation in, in which the an organization called the Academic Staff Union of Universities has been engaged in job action, i.e. strikes, uh, quite a bit in Nigerian universities over the last couple of years. And there's a leading Nigerian official who said that the what the what's called the ASUU, this this union, is doing in Nigeria is actually the same as what Boko Haram is doing in destroying the, the country's educational system. In other words, those who go on strike, those who advocate strikes, are terrorists. Now Boko Haram is an organization, it's been around for the better part of 15 years in largely northeastern Nigeria, although it has spread its wings of date to date in, uh, in, more, in other parts of the country as well as immediate neighbors. Watch from my perspective on that coming out in a couple of days. And Boko Haram kind of stands for Western education is bad. It's not the greatest translation of what the term means. But the bottom line is that Boko Haram is an Islamist extremist group that wants to basically get rid of all Western influence and impose their narrow and hateful interpretation of Islam on the parts of Nigeria where they are dominant, i.e. largely in the north, Northeast. So, yeah, they're terrorists. Despite the fact I hear them referred to as militants and insurgents, Boko Haram are terrorists. They're Islamist terrorists. And yet this Nigerian official says essentially that what, the, what these university professors are doing is akin to terrorism. So we have three examples. We have what China is abdicating in Xinjiang province. We have what the Saudis are doing to activists. We have what this Nigerian guy says is happening on university campuses, all using the word terrorism in ways it was never intended to be used. We can all agree to disagree on the precise definition of terrorism. Alex Schmidt, who like me is a fellow at the International Center for Counterterrorism in The Hague, came out with a massive study a couple of years ago in which he found more than 200 definitions of terrorism in legal codes and other important documentation. 
So there is an awful lot of wiggle room when it comes to what terrorism is and what terrorism isn't. But wanting to be a Muslim in Xinjiang province and practice your faith, wanting to drive a car in Saudi Arabia, and wanting to get go on strike for better conditions in Nigeria are not acts of terrorism. We need to push back against this heinous use of language, this, this careless use of language, this attempts by authorities to convince us that people they don't like are terrorists and must be must be eliminated. Unless you want to go into a world in which Humpty Dumpty says words can mean whatever I say they mean, I think we should push back. Anyhow, that's what I think. Do you agree with me that this is problematic? What do you think about the Nashville incident? Was it a suicide bombing? Is that term problematic? I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me on email, borealisrisk at gmail.com or on Twitter at borealisaves. You can also find me on LinkedIn and on Facebook. If you like this content and you want to get more of it, you can subscribe, go to my website, borealisthreatenrisk.com, get the subscribe button, provide your email address, you'll get a free daily digest of all the material, all the blogs and podcasts. And in addition, you'll get material which is reserved solely for subscribers. This is stuff that I'm going to be putting on only for those who subscribe and not to the general public. Love to hear your thoughts on this. I'll talk to you again soon. Until then, stay safe. Thank you.